Welcome everyone to this live broadcast of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Brady. I'm here with my host, Lou Wise, who is president of All Metals and Forge Group. If you're looking for open die forgings and seamless roll grains for the industrial sector, please get in touch with them at steelforge.com. Joining us today for this ISM, that's the Institute for Supply Management Business Report, for the services sector is Anthony Nieves, the committee chair. Anthony, we always appreciate you joining us. Thanks for being back again. Thank you for having me on the show. So it looks good, uh, at, you know, in the low 60s, which is always kind of rarefied air, or we thought it was rarefied air, but the sector is looking strong. Very much so. I mean, it wasn't too long ago and back in July, we hit an all time high at the 64.1. And uh, we've kind of felt where that wouldn't withhold or sustain that level of growth um, for a, a period of time or a trend. And we see that we had the 61.7 in August. And here we are, we have a slight uptick up to 61.9, which uh, continues uh, to reflect the growth of and the strength of this sector. Uh, we have business activity at 62.3, also going up 2.2 percentage points. And the pipeline remains strong with the new orders in this at 63.5. Well, I have a, a question for you about that because we're experiencing uh, at All Metals and Forge Group the same thing in that business has uh, uh, really been upticking now for several months and uh, actually uh, uh, our backlog uh, inventory of jobs is the highest it's been in uh, a year and a half. Uh, that being said, uh, and, and I, this doesn't fit so much into the services side, but I'll throw it in there for what it's worth and correct me where I'm wrong. And that is that the more orders we book, the more difficult things get because of logistics, because of work shortage, because of drivers, trucks, containers, and all that stuff. So I'm not sure if that's the good news or the bad news. So well, I have you touch to on, yeah, you touch on a very good point. And, and Lou, I can't remember the last time you were ever wrong about anything, so I can't correct you. So <laughs> as far as I can tell, uh, you're spot on with this. And um, I will say this much, you're absolutely right, that because of the increased demand, the demand is, is uh, exceeding supply substantially. Inventories can't be replenished. Cycle time is lengthened. As you know, specifically in your industry, we have material shortages. So that coupled with the logistics you brought up, think of all the port congestion, lack of trucks. How many container ships are sitting in the queue outside of the ports right now? They can bring them into the port and then they don't have the labor to offload them fast enough. And then there's not the trucks there to transport them. Then you couple that with, um, you know, slow rail service and everything else going on. The material shortages I mentioned, and then you have um, the capacity constraints that exist in all these various companies that are involved in the supply chain, both upstream on the manufacturing side and as it trickles down to the services sector. So it's become a, a real challenge and now it's affected pricing. Now you mentioned backlog, backlog is strong. Pricing, we always see pricing get strong when the economy is good, but we have this really strong demand. The pricing pressure, the cost pressures are there. 
and uh, yet the consumer is still out there buying product and services. So it's uh, really, uh, as you see, the picture we have today. Well, they buy where they can, but let's talk about the automotive industry. Uh, automotive industry, it's, it's now new and modern cars uh, have approximately a thousand chips per car. Ford Motor Company has 20,000 cars sitting in their lot that they can't ship because they don't have the chips. So the 20,000 cars times a thousand is 200,000 chips short just for what they've got sitting in inventory. So where's the good news? And they even tried to do a workaround. They tried to ship the chips directly to the dealers and have them put them in the cars. Yeah, that'll to, work. Yeah, well, they, they don't have the chips to ship. So, right. and that's why we're seeing the, the car market is, uh, market is so strong right now, not only on new vehicles, but even on used vehicles, they're selling above their normal residual value at this point in time. Right, right. But yet they're predicting a fourth quarter dive in the automotive industry in terms of sales. Well, you know, that's a, that brings another point up. We don't know what the ramifications will be with the unemployment money uh, running out, right? And uh, people not going back to work fully. So we'll have to see what the uh, total uh, cause and effect is on that uh, down the road. In fact, we talk about this of being transitory on these on pricing. Right. Um, our respondents have indicated to us going back a few months ago that they thought this would carry over into the first quarter of 2022. Now that's projected even further. They're thinking throughout 2022. So, so much for being transitory. We'll have to see you know, how that wanes and how that diminishes over a period of time. I'm predicting 2023, but what do I know? I already said, you know a lot. You, you're never wrong. <laughs> Well, thank you. Very Anthony, much. The, the two big sectors in services are computer electronics and retail, if I understand your report correctly. How are they faring in this arena of, uh, you know, supply challenge? Well, you know, you bring, it goes back to the labor issue, right? On the retail side, customer facing businesses they are struggling. They cannot uh, fill positions enough, especially on the lower skilled uh, line positions. So we're seeing restricted hours of operation. And also, uh, and if you carry that over into the restaurant space, and we've talked about this before on the show, they're not filling up every square footage, uh, every piece of square footage that they have because they just can't staff it accordingly to uh, meet those capacity requirements. To the computer side, we know there's been a challenge with the chips that we were just talking about, as well as circuit boards and other things. So um, the information um, industry is, uh, I think it's number five uh, when you look at contribution to GDP. When you look at the top five, when uh, looking at the services sector, number one is the real estate rental and leasing. And to touch on that for a minute is that we saw home, new home builds go down, right? It was probably, I think it went down 30, 40%, if I'm not mistaken. And it was more about the uh, resale, right? But now the inventory affected that industry over the last few months. Now it's popped up again, but before it was kind of uh, just sliding back a little bit just because there wasn't available inventory as people were either 
upgrading or selling their homes or downsizing. And then all of a sudden that kind of wanes. Now we look at number two is government. And number three is professional scientific and technical services followed by healthcare and then, you know, healthcare social assistance and then it would be information. Well, we can get rid of number three. They're not doing anything anyway. So <laughs> we can't figure out what the government's doing to try to solve some of these serious issues. I was having a discussion recently and I said, if the ports are so congested and we can't get drivers and we don't have chassis, it may be time to use the National Guard that has chassis and trained drivers. Yeah, hmm. that would be a novel idea. You know, going back to the port congestion, uh, last I read there were uh, the cycle time, which was normally before the pandemic, about a day that a container ship would be offshore waiting to offload. That has now gone out to, projected out to almost two weeks. And there's typically in the high 60s, almost 70 container ships. And this right. is just on the West Coast here in uh, Los Angeles and, and Long Beach. And that's probably an average of 15,000 containers a ship. So, you know, somebody do the math and you've got a, a million plus containers offshore. I'm also reading where some of that includes produce. I can't imagine what condition that will be in when it arrives in port. Yeah, great, great point. I think that most of the, or the types of produce that they have has a more stability shelf life compared to what we see on the overland trucking coming up uh, south of the border here from Mexico and Central America. The offshore stuff hopefully will hold up better. If not, I hate to see what the ramifications are with that sitting there for two weeks. Let me, let me present a thought. What we are experiencing, and, and I told uh, Tim earlier, and we had another show earlier, and. Uh, we kind of touched on this, but I kind of developed this over the last hour or two. And that is, we're in a cycle. You know, we're all going around in circles. And, you know, I think it's also by, called by economists the bullwhip effect, where, you know, you bullwhip it and you get the ups and downs, the lows and the highs in the cycle. So if you made a circle and you listed all of the problems that are going on, not only here, but elsewhere, you know, the entire global economic issues, most of them are bad. If you break into the cycle and hit one of those topics and address it and deal with it, I believe that it would have a major effect on everything else that's around this circle. So for example, if, well, a year and a half ago, containers, which don't exist now, containers were costing about $4,000 from Asia to the LA port. It's now reached $20,000. But they have no containers going back to China because we're not exporting to China as much and they're not buying as much and so on and so forth. So they have nothing but empty containers in California. The fact that the pricing went from 4,000 to 20,000. Worst case scenario, why not ship the empties back to China? They are. Back I, in the day, they were shipping them with recycled materials. Now they're 
trying to advance the uh, the uh, containers going out. They're not even loading them up. I, I, I'm glad to hear that. I have not heard that because they're making five fold on their money. So use one of the folds to ship the empties back. Yeah, yeah. And it probably wouldn't cost that much because they'd be lighter weight. It would be going across the ocean, you know, lickety split doing 60 miles an hour. So I'm glad to hear that uh, comment of yours. Appreciate it. Well, you hit on a great point about you know, the circle and all the different challenges and problems. And when you look at problem solving, not, not to get, you know, elementary and, and scholastic here, but there's always a root cause, right? And you have to figure out what that root cause is. And I'm not sitting here saying I have the answer to all of this. I haven't addressed it and from that perspective. But I think that you have to really look at what root problems there are and how it trickles down and affects all the other aspects and the uh, the uh, the linkage in the supply chain yeah agreed anthony what's the concern that you're or concerns that you're reading about from your respondents where are their heads well they've been very consistent in voicing their concerns as it relates to just what we've been touching on the supply chain disruption uh the capacity issues labor uh all of it, all the all the logistics uh, uh, part of it. The one thing I'm not hearing is lack of capital, because that's sometimes we heard that in the past of uh, uh, cash liquidity and things of that nature. But none of that is coming out. Everything is related back to the supply chain, which is interesting. It's been a. I know that Tim Fury has touched on this uh, multiple times, but this is a very challenging time for supply management professionals and how they have to deal with doing all these workarounds based on the challenges of you know, intermodal. It doesn't even matter what mode of transportation. There seems to be a challenge with every mode of transportation in trying to uh, move product. So, And even though the services sector is less reliant on tangible goods um, as far as the output, but they still use goods. And, and so even with the services they produce, they need goods to do that. And we see certain areas in another big um, industry within this sector is wholesale. And wholesale involves the whole distribution channel and it's in line, it's, it's interrelated with the warehousing and transportation piece. And so this, you see how this whole thing just kind of intertwines and uh, it, it impacts almost every single industry within the services sector, keeps bringing up the same challenges, which is something that we haven't seen in quite some time. I, I was hearing, sorry, Lou, I was hearing earlier, uh, Anthony, about the warehousing and distribution segment and that they were pretty much maxed out in terms of the space that they have available because it, it can't move out as fast as it's coming in. So it's kind of backlogging on them. Is that accurate? Yes. And further to that, some of the wholesalers are prioritizing their customer base. So they're looking at their key customers, the ones that have the volume, because their industry is based on drop size. They have a fixed cost per stop with a truck based out of wholesale distribution. So they are being discriminatory as it relates to the clientele that they have. And they're looking at the large companies, the companies that pay on time, uh, things of that, you know, those variables that they're considering. 
Who? Uh, I was curious. Uh, I, I've been reading in your report the uh, your respondents what they're saying. So why don't we do a dive into that? We did well, touch on some of it, but uh, I think there's a couple more things here that uh, our listeners would like to know about. Well, here is a, and I'll read one from finance and insurance. Um, and it says here, international and domestic demand remains very strong. Another one we talked about with the electronics and computer chips comes out of educational services. Lead times on electronics and computer chips have greatly increased. Outlook for higher education remains flat for most colleges, not including elite and Ivy League institutions. Um, you know, there's been this consistent theme from all the respondent comments. Uh, here's one from the real estate rental and leasing. Business volumes remain remarkably high, although material shortages persist. And they're all surrounding the uh, material shortages, the logistical challenges they are having. Um, and then the, and when I, we talk about the material shortages, um, again, keeping in mind, I've said this often enough on the show, that many of the manufacturers uh, in, uh, companies from the manufacturing sector are supplier providers to the services sector. So what you see on one side impacts the other side. Sure. We're, we're almost a global community here in America. <laughs> Maybe. Even in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, but we rub people out who annoy us. Oh boy. <laughs> Uh, so going forward, I, I, we, we did touch on it before, is uh, that the belief is, unless we break into the circle, forgive me for using my story, uh, this is going to go on for quite a while. It, it will. And I think, you know, we have the semi-annual uh, forecast coming up uh, in December, and we ask questions uh, about revenue and profit margin and, and things that we don't touch on uh, in the monthly report. And I think that we'll get a better feel from what the respondents uh, are going to project forecast going forward. But you know, I've always been asked a question about this thing with pricing and how high pricing is. And I mentioned that in a good economy, we always see inflation, we always see price pressure, just the nature of supply and demand. Um, again, uh, transitory, I can't define that right now. Uh, it's, it's definitely a lot longer than what we anticipated and what they're projecting now is it's going to be longer. Uh, but where I see the price, someone asked me earlier today, is the cost being passed on to the consumer? And I say, well, yes, it is, but not all of it because, uh, and you know this better than me, Lou, being on the manufacturing side, that even when raw material costs go up, there's a threshold as to how much you can actually pass on to the end user. And then there's many touch points in the supply chain as it goes through the handling and processing, uh, you know, as we as it touch points of linkage in the supply chain. So even though you might see a 10% or more increase in raw material costs, doesn't mean the consumer is going to pay exactly 10% higher. They'll absorb some of that cost, but it also gets absorbed throughout the linkage in the supply chain. Well, what we've witnessed at AMFG and other companies that we do business with, that ultimately the customer pays. He needs it, he wants it, he has to have it. They pay and they pass it on to their customer. 
So again, this is just the same part of the cycle in that I'm gonna charge my customer more. He's gonna buy it from someone and everyone in my position, for example, is paying higher pricing for let's say steel. Uh, steel prices was uh, four or $500 a ton, metric ton. It's now uh, $2,000. And that's just from two months ago. So people are still buying, people are still manufacturing and you have it here in your numbers and Tim Fiore in the manufacturing numbers has it that everything's still going up. So they've been passing on the price and people are paying it. Well, I think you used an example earlier this year about can of soda, about the can of soda increasing in cost anywhere from 15 to 25 cents a can. Right. And it goes back to the demand aspect. And, and I think I brought this up on the show and said, people have it. If they want it, they're going to pay for it, whether it's 10 cents more or 15 cents more or 25, they're going to buy it. That's and, where I heard the idea. <laughs> I was just piggybacking off of you. You know, it's symbiotic here, right? I got it. So I think the thing is that um, as the demand remains high, and even though other reports are indicating that consumer confidence has waned a little bit, but it hasn't impacted the demand at this point because it's been pent up for so long and we still don't have the capacity so therefore the demand is remaining high and that's why the prices are going to remain high. And this could get very interesting in the fourth quarter, Anthony. Right now the retail sector is experiencing demand shock and they don't have the supply coming in that they need. Presently out in the harbors, those ships contain the goods for the holiday season. They may arrive late the retailers may not have the labor to put them on the shelves. Is there a growing concern in the retail community about where things are at and what their holiday season might turn out to be? Great question, Tim. I don't know. Um, we've not had that disseminated to us from the survey respondents at this point in time. Um, you know, the concerns about supply shortages is relevant to all the industries that comprise this sector right now. Uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's a common thread that we're seeing with the supply disruption, the supply chain disruption. I think that that's a question on everyone's mind. What is the retail mar uh, industry going to look at or look like? What is that space going to look like in the holiday season? And the challenge is, you know, we don't know where, where the consumer is at this point either. So yep. it's kind of where it's not that we will know soon enough. I think we'll know before Thanksgiving. We'll, there, we'll certainly know right around the corner what, what, what it's going to look like. Who knows if the consumer is going to spend like they have in the past. All indications they will try. Uh, it's, as you pointed out, I don't think the supply will be there. Uh, certain hot items around the holidays, you might as well forget about it unless you have an inn somewhere to get it because you're not going to. <laughs> Uh, but other than that, we'll have to wait and see how it develops. Well, as always, these reports that the Institute for Supply Management puts together at ismworld.org, if you're looking for them, uh, really tell a great deal of information in the report itself. And we encourage people to visit ismworld.org. 
Anthony kind of wrap this up for us and give us, a, if you can, any kind of indication as to what next month might look like. Sounds good. Well, as we see the, in the past, uh, as we have seen in the past, that we had all-time highs in July. Uh, and think about this, we had actually prior all-time highs in May, and then it kind of dropped back a little bit, and then we saw them bounce back in July, uh, specifically with the composite index and business activity. And uh, then we had a bit of pullback in August, and we felt that going forward that we would still have strong growth. We wouldn't know how that would pan out if we would, as you mentioned, this rarefied air of being north of 60 in these indexes. And as we see this month, the 61.9, we had a slight uptick. Same thing with business activity going up 2.2 percentage points. Employment continues to grow even with the labor constraints. Uh, I think going forward, we're going to see strong growth reflected may not be at this level. Keeping in mind, the baseline is 50 and anything over 50 is growth. I think we'll still be in the uh, higher 50 percentile, possibly still going over north of the 60, especially as the demand remains this high and we don't have the supply available. So I think we'll continue to see this growth going forward. I anticipate strength uh, through the balance of the year and hopefully we'll get some price relief down the road, but doesn't look like anytime soon. Yeah. Well, I appreciate, uh, Lou and I appreciate you joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio every month. Uh, we have created this ISM report on business series for our listeners and viewers because we think it's critical information to get out to both the manufacturing sector and the services sector. And on Friday, we're going to be doing a discussion on the hospital report on business, which is under considerable stress as we try to get through this COVID issue on the pandemic. So Anthony, again, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Gentlemen, have a great day. We'll see you next month. Sounds good, looking forward to it. Take care now. You too. And we encourage all of our listeners to find us at jacketmediaco.com where you can find the icon for Manufacturing Talk Radio. And this episode, thank you for joining us. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.